first chapter. <clears throat> now notice that the bulk of chapter 2 and chapter 3 has been about what to do in the Lord's house. And with the pastor or the bishop and the deacons, we've got all the qualifications. And then Paul says in verse 15 of chapter 3, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, so that sums up what he's been telling us about. So how do we behave ourselves in the church of God, which is the house of God? Well, exactly with what he has told us up till now. And so uh, back in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, uh, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. He's talking about teaching the truth, not faith, uh, fables and myths. And so now he's going to give us an encapsulated doctrinal statement to teach. And here it is. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. What a <laughs> verse. Now, the mystery of godliness. It has been a mystery from the beginning. But it's not a mystery to those who know the Lord. Amen. It's cleared up. We don't have mysteries. The Catholic Church has mysteries, many of them. And they, they remain mysteries. But we don't have mysteries like that. This mystery is, is cleared up. All right, now. The first statement there, God was manifest in the flesh. Now that word for manifest means revealed, brought forward, brought forth. But now the, the word I want to call your attention to is God. Do you know that the majority of the versions leave God out of there? Uh, hang with me now. Here we go. Do you know anything about the ESV? Isn't that the one that they all brag about? What is it? All right, that's that's fairly new one that a lot of the even so-called sound preachers are going to. All right. Now, here's what the ESV says about this verse. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. 
didn't say God. He. Well, what's the NASB? New American Standard Bible? Okay. It says, beyond question, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh. Is this the NIT or the NLT? What is that? I don't know what that one is. CSB. I don't know. It's a new one. I don't know. And most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh. Well... Of course, the King James says God was manifest in the flesh. Now there's, well, let me, let me give you this one. It's that, just like that. I was going to bring one out here. I had one, but I didn't bring it out here. I don't know whether it's capital H or not. Yeah, well, it states the first word of a sentence. It's capitalized because it's the first word in the sentence. <clears throat> now, this is the Douay Reims Catholic translation. This was translated after the King James, but in the 1500s. This was translated to combat the King James translation. Uh, here's what it says. <clears throat> and evidently great is the mystery of godliness, which was manifested in the flesh. It doesn't even say he. It says which was manifested in the flesh. Now let me see. Now, this Greek translation is not the best one. But the reason we've used this, so you use this as a textbook in Lexington Baptist College, because you've got the Greek on one side and you've got Latin on the other side. So when you're in Greek class, you're supposed to be doing some reading. And they didn't want the, he didn't want the one that had Greek on one side and English on the other. Because the temptation to look over on the English is a whole lot. But now if you're not... <laughs> yeah, not when you're in Greek class. <clears throat> so that's the reason. Plus, this Nestle's version has all of the apparatus in it. It tells you about all of the different uh, ancient texts and vellums and all that. Got them all numbered and named. Uh, you can you can read about them if you want to. So if you want to know what went on. In textual criticism to begin with, this is, you've got to have this. All right. But now this, this is the Nestle's translation, and I don't, I don't re recommend that. Uh, it's not, it's not as good as the Texas Receptus, the King James text. And then the, the other is the Latin, uh, and the Latin comes from the Vulgate, which is where the Catholic's Bible came from, the Vulgate. So, I can see. Uh, 
Now this trans this 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 text, it doesn't have God in it, but it's got a, a mark, and you look at the footnotes, and it's got it. Uh, if I can see it, it's got theos, but it lets you know that it is there. It's just been left out of this one. Uh, yeah. It's got all the different ones that have felt, and there's more than one that has it. But anyway, but I was going to read, get you the, the Latin. Hang on, I got to change, turn page. That might help. Et manifesti magnum est pietatis sacramentum. Now, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, it says the same thing that those versions say. Great is the mystery of godliness, but it was it was uh, manifest pietatis godliness. Uh, uh, which, quote, which uh, manifestatum est incarnate, manifest in the flesh. All right, so. <laughs> I wasn't doing that to brag on anything, but I'm just showing you that I didn't get it. I tried to pull it off of the computer, and it just was printing so much I had to quit it. I don't have a copy of the Jehovah's False Witness Bible. The New World Translation. But you might guess that they really don't like that verse. And they've really changed it in their perversion. So, but not only them, but I mean, that ESV is, I don't want a Bible that takes God's name out of it. And puts it or he or which. Uh, so anyway, the text says, Theos. God was manifest in the flesh. Now that kills the Jehovah's false witness and they'll scream bloody murder on it. I've, I've debated with them. I know what I'm talking about. And I've told them, I said, you put that garbage down. You don't have a Bible. You've got a perversion. You don't have a version. Here's the Bible. This is what it says. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit everything about him was justified in the spirit what did he say this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased hear ye him at his baptism at the Mount of transfiguration seen of angels preached unto the ethnos Gentiles he's preached but this is what Paul's, he's apostle to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world, not by the world, but in the world, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. What, what an encapsulated view of the life of Christ. And where he came from, and his eternity. Tremendous. Anyway, now. Now we can go to chapter 4.
incidentally, on our Sunday afternoon panel, when I last checked, we had 132 views on it. And our last one, it was around 200. So it is being watched, and we're going to do this again on the 28th of February. All right, uh, chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Devils, you know, when we see devils in the plural, it's always demons. Daimonios, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I'm going to stop right there and go back. And we're going to take it up from verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. And of course Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit speaketh expressly. Uh, evidently there was even some more, more emphasis on this. Speaking expressly. That in the latter times. And we do know that we are in the latter times. He says, some shall depart from the faith. Have we not seen much of that? Brother James, what year did you all come out here? I don't know many churches that we can actually fellowship with. And we had a bunch back then. We had, we had a lot of them, and we don't have them now. And the thing of it is, when you see those people from those churches, they say, well, we're the ones wrong. They, they've just modernized, and we all need to modernize too. No, we don't. God hadn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right. So some shall depart from the faith, giving heed, listening to. What did Eve do? She gave heed to the serpent who was Satan. Uh, and he was a seducing spirit. Satan is a spirit being. He's a seducing spirit. And so are all of his cohorts, his demons. And so some will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. All right? Lots of times people don't get specific when they talk about doctrines of demons they don't talk about it much if they accidentally happen to read across it they might mention it but they don't talk really about it much but they don't they don't specify you see i believe paul said with great plainness of speech and i believe we ought to speak preach teach with great plainness of speech somebody says, oh, i don't understand your preaching really 
Now, I think that's a problem. You do, you do understand it. That's, that's a problem. Uh, things I don't understand don't bother me. <laughs> it's what I do understand that bothers me. Now, so what would these doctrines of demons be? Well, speaking in lies and hypocrisy, uh, hypocrites lying, and the reason they're doing that, they have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, I, I, I remember this in the Piedmont Valleys, the big massacre. John Milton wrote about it in 1655. There in that uh, history of the evangelical churches of the Valley of the Piedmonts. In my slides that I show of the persecutions, you know what they did? We got an 80-some-odd-year-old man sitting there on a rock. They cut his nose off, his tongue out, his ears off, his hands off, and his feet off. And he was still living. You know why? Because then they took a torch, and they put the torch to it and stopped it, cauterized it, seared it, stopped it from bleeding. Well, these people have put that hot iron to their conscience, and they're no longer... Well, you know, it's what, what people do. When you see these serial killers, you see them every now and then, you see them interviewed in some uh, maximum security prison. And they say, well, the first one I killed, I had a problem with it. Well, the second wasn't nearly as bad. And then finally I got to liking it. So what happened to his conscience? It didn't last long, did it? So he seared it with a hot iron. By his persistent, he seared it with a hot iron. That's what they're doing. Now, here are those doctrines that are called doctrines of demons. Now, I've always heard this verse applied to the Roman Catholic Church. And you see, the Roman Catholic Church wasn't even in existence yet. Not saying they don't fit it to some degree. But it's not just talking about Roman Catholic Church. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Two doctrines there. Who forbids to marry? Well, we know that the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, not the Greek Catholics, the Roman Catholic Church They've got a uh, papal bull that says their priests and nuns can't be married. When a nun, a married woman goes into the nunnery, she has to leave her husband. And a, a married priest can't be a priest. That's called the uh, celibacy. Uh, I think Pope Hadrian about 1059 A.D. He's the one that made that a papal bull. And that's what they call them. Those laws. Now you listen people. Oh, I think it's the right thing for them to do. No, that's a doctrine of demons. God ordained marriage in the Garden of Eden. 
and said it was good. Not two men, not two women, a man and a woman. Clearly a man and a woman. In the beginning, Jesus said, God made male and female. Two genders. How stupid do you have to be to say that there are more than two genders? You're out of your cotton-picking mind. There's only two genders, male and female. That's all. And you can cut everything off, and you'll still be what you were. You can glue it back on, and it doesn't do a bit of good. And I'll tell you what, when you die and go to hell... If you was born a woman, you go to hell as a woman. If you was born a man, you go to hell as a man. Now, I know they say that's hate, hate speech. I'm telling you what God teaches. Amen. And I'm telling you that to forbid to marry is a doctrine of demons. I didn't say it. God did. Amen. And just because preachers just pass over it and lay it all off on the Catholic Church... I've heard many Baptist pastors tell men and women they cannot get married. Ah, I really have. Is that not forbidden to marry? Now, if you're married to somebody, you can't get married to somebody else until that marriage is divorced. But when you tell that person that if they get married, they'll be sinning against God, what do you think the Catholic Church tells their priests? That's a doctrine of demons. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Amen. He said in Hebrews 13, uh, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. He didn't say which marriage did he? Marriage between a man and a woman is honorable. If it's a legal, legitimate marriage, it's honorable. That's what God said. Now, when you run your mouth and tell somebody they can't get married, you are, you have walked right into doctrines of demons and you're teaching it. I, I'm going off what the Bible says. I didn't, I didn't, Theorize that. It's right here. And the other one is commanding to abstain from meats. I'm talking about steaks and meats. What is the big the big move by Gates? And what's that other billionaire devil? What's his name? One of the great big ones is doing all this stuff, trying to buy up all the, all the farms and the cattle and all that and stop everybody from eating meat. 
See, here's the thing. It's honorable for a man and woman to be married. I agree. I ought to try to limit them to one marriage. But you can't control what another person does. Everybody thinks you can, but you can't. You cannot control what your wife or your husband does and what they think about you and all that. You may do everything correct, and they still go hog wild on you. And you can't control them. If you've got a marriage that, that is in accord, great. Thank the Lord for it. But all of them are not that way. And God does not lock you up in something you can't get out of. But now, listen, hey, I knew it happened, but I've seen several of those ID discovery things, the real, real uh, cases, murders and all that, where people are really locked into their church, whatever, whatever denomination it is. And they want to get divorced because the husband or the wife is just not, for whatever reason. But they cannot stand to think about getting a divorce because they would be shunned and ashamed by their church. And so they hire somebody to murder their husband. And if they get caught, they can be forgiven for murder, but not for getting a divorce. I mean, it's happened. They really have, I mean, it's, there's been several of them. And I've heard our brethren say they could rather, I, I know they forgive them for adultery. Preachers get involved in adultery. Oh, don't, then talk to the wife. Don't you get divorced? One guy got caught uh, in one of these homosexual pickups trying to put the make on a, on a, a, a detective. Homosexual, a man, and a man. And that pastor, I don't, I'll tell you it was. He went, he, he went to that man and his wife, and you know what he told her? Oh, sister, you can't divorce him. You'll run his, you'll run his life if you do. Now he won't do it again, will you? No. I'll tell you a big story about that one. I know the truth of it. And what I just told you is the truth. They can forgive anything, but not a legitimate divorce and a legitimate remarriage. And yet God says, let every man have his own wife to avoid fornication. Marriage is honorable in all. So, forbidding to marry... And commanding to abstain from me is what I was going to say about that. What did God say about Adam in the Garden of Eden? It is not good for the man to be alone. Is that what he said? And he couldn't find a mate amongst the animals. <clears throat> so God took a rib... And made Eve. And he put them together. And said it's good. Amen. And so that woman that God made. 
was to provide what the man needed, and she he was to provide what she needed, and that was good. That's that's God ordained marriage. Well, not good to be alone. There are a few that can be. Paul talks about that. He said, I would that you'd be like me because of the present distress. But he did admit, he did say that he had the authority to lead about a sister or wife. Now, a saved man or a saved woman, you got no right to, to, to go outside and marry somebody against the faith. Just not. Anyway, commanding to abstain from meats. You need that. You need a companion. We all do. That's why a woman doesn't need a man that beats her or that verbally accosts her or her him. How do you have a companion that is screaming at you constantly? How do you have a companion that is belittling you 24-7? You can't have a companion like that. He said, they too shall be one flesh. Amen. You can't be one flesh with somebody that's always, what you do that for? It takes a lot to get, to get a marriage and to keep a marriage going. You've got to sacrifice a lot. And I'm not talking about sacrificing doctrine. I'm talking about my wants. I have to let them go. I can't, I can't run my mouth about everything that I think. And you know when I don't, I'm really glad that I didn't. Because <laughs> I look back and man, I'm glad I didn't let that out. <laughs> Not often, but I do that some. Anyway, so we need, we need companionship. That's what marriage is. It's a commitment of companionship. And then this thing about abstaining from meats. I know the Catholic Church. I don't think it's too, too dominant now. But they used to have. That's why all these places serve fish on Friday. Because you couldn't have meat on Friday. That was their, that was their sacrifice for that week. But now they could have fish. And you know the reason that really got started by the popes? Because they owned the fish markets. They knew they was going to make it on Friday because they all had to eat fish. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. That's true. Anyway, after all, Friday is named Freya, the fish god. That's all connected. Anyway, you know, we have to have protein. And you all been to Brazil? <laughs> Love the people down there. But you go back in the interior and you see a lot of them. They're mighty poor. They eat a lot, if they can eat at all, bananas, because they grow on trees. Rice, 
maybe some beans. Seldom, if ever, any meat. Meat's expensive. And if you have no money, you don't go to a meat market and buy meat. Even though to us it was cheap, not to them. We were in Romania, right there in uh, what's the first the first city right across the border, the big one. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, there was a McDonald's there, and we would take off, go into Romania in that motorhome. We'd always stop and park, and then go in that McDonald's, and it was it looked something like ours little bit different menu and we didn't really know how to read the whole menu but we'd go in there we'd get a fish mac that's fish sandwich and fries and a coke that's what we'd eat every time we go to mcdonald's there's one on up in the mountains up at uh by alba yulia up there someplace anyway there weren't crowds in there eating and you'd see a lot of fairly well-dressed Romanians they'd come in there and they'd just look and they'd look at that menu and they'd look over we were eating and all that then they'd just turn around and walk out you know why they didn't have the money to buy anything and you know people that don't eat meat get proper protein I know there's some I'm not going to call vague uh, vegetarians idiots if you want to be that be that but I tell you what you better know how to get your protein because if you don't get protein you better be smart enough and have the money enough to buy the best buy the, the food to get your protein because you go long enough without protein you'll starve to death your your body will eat its own organs that's what happens when you don't have protein and when people don't have protein you know what they get weak you see those pictures of the death camps, Auschwitz and all those, when, when the, the Americans, uh, the allies liberated those camps, you see those people walking skeletons and they don't have the strength to do anything. They don't have any protein. They've been starved. And you know what? They cut, if they cut our meat, which is what they're trying to do, are they not trying to do that right now? Then you're going to weaken the people and then you can tell them what to do. Scare them to death with these Fauci flus. Get them compliant. Then starve them of their meat and they don't have the strength to withstand anything. And the next thing you know, we are teetotally wiped out. That's what's going on. It, re it really is. And God said it. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats. Doctrines of demons. There they are. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Of them which believe and know the truth. What? Creatures. Now. They just passed something in Europe. Where they can eat bugs. They can sell bugs and eat bugs. I've never eaten possum. 
But you know, if you if you read uh, Harry Caldwell's book, uh, Night Comes to the Cumberlands, you ever hear of it? It's a classic. You know, everybody ought to read that. And it's a history of the eastern Kentucky. If it hadn't been for possum meat, they would have starved to death. There wasn't any other meat to kill. So was it wrong to eat it? Not if you get, ate it with Thanksgiving. Amen. I don't want to eat python. But what's wrong with it? God said he, he created it to be received with Thanksgiving. He hath created the, the which God hath created. He made, he made meat for us to eat. And you devil, liberal dogs, you need to read the Bible. Because you're going to have to stand before God one day. Anyway, I'll go on with this. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. I haven't as of yet eaten dog meat. Hope I don't have to. I haven't eaten cat meat. But every creature is good and nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Two ways. Now, Timothy, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Hey, there's a whole lot of brethren who have not put the brethren in remembrance of these things. <laughs> Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. We'll pick up there the next time.